This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Join the line by Kwame Antwi from KOA Capital with the market wrap. Kwame, hello. Thank you for your time. Good evening. All right, Kwame, it looks like a... Uh, start to a week. Let's talk about what we are expecting. Maybe markets to contend with uh, this week on the back of that stronger than anticipated U.S. jobs data. Yeah. Um, so actually, you know, markets, are, as, as you pointed out, um, you, know, it's, it's, you know, we're starting the week on a little bit of a softer note. And that actually follows on from what we saw in Europe, which was also impacted by um, basically comments from the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, um, he had an interview with CN, um, uh, CBS, um, 60 Minutes, and in there he, he you know, he had discussions and, and talked about his expectations on the directions of interest rate. And in a nutshell, what he pointed out is that it, it's unlikely that, you know, we would see a rate cut in, in the March uh, meeting, which is what, the, you know, some market participants had, had you know, had penciled in. He, he obviously pointed out that he thinks that, you know, we are reaching the peak in the inflation cycle and that inflation is substantially lower than where it was in 2022. Having said that, he feels that, um, um, and, and he feels that himself and the members on the committee would like to see more evidence um, that inflation is heading towards that 2% mark before they look to ease interest rates. And that's, that's certainly, you know, um, led to a little bit of a mini sell-off for, you know, um, we saw that in Asia, and that's that's also flown through to Europe, basically suggesting that um, you know rate cuts may be a little bit later than than initially anticipated, and perhaps even the pace of the of the easing cycle may also be a little bit um, slower, which which obviously caused people to re reevaluate and reprice, um, particularly on 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 the fixed income side. Have markets uh, began to accept this? I think, uh, you know, of course, markets always looking to the future, trying to price for the future. But is there now what we're seeing uh, with this a uh, bit of a soft note, uh, the acceptance that the picture is maybe a little bit less optimistic uh, than what we had hoped, but still quite a sure thing? Yeah, I think you're correct. Uh, I think there is that expectation that, look, inflation is still, um, is, is, you know, has, has improved significantly, the outlook. Um, or if you want to call the inflation expectations have, have moderated quite substantially, um, but still inflation is still really uh, is still a bit sticky. And I think you know markets have to come to terms with the fact that we probably would need to see more data points before we see easing. The other point that is actually quite important that the market is perhaps not pricing in that could be a potential risk mm. later on down the line is that there is almost appear to be consensus that you know the the Fed will be able to engineer a soft landing. So the view here is, um, you know, despite the aggressive rate hiking cycle and the speed um, of which rate, you know, uh, with which rates have gone, um, moved um, upwards, we, we haven't seen uh, uh, almost like a, a commensurate um, uh, increase in, in unemployment levels. Mm-hmm. And the expectation is that we, we, you know, we will be able to have a soft landing, which means that markets are pricing the potential for a rally. Now, if that changes, we'll probably see another leg down in markets from here as well.
Well, it sounds like it's still a little bit more uncertain than we'd like. Uh, Kwame, I'd like to uh, bring it home now, looking at uh, some company news. Maybe let's start off with the issue of multi-choice, because I think that's a really interesting one. We know that last week, Canal Plus, a French company, made a bid uh, mm. for a multi-choice offering a 105 rand per share. Multi-choice has subsequently come out and said, well, that's just not enough. Let's talk about what's happening here, because I think at the same time, Canal Plus has been buying shares on the stock exchange here in multi-choice. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because um, you know, typically what you know tends to happen is that the, the usual um, you know, situation, particularly if management does not go out looking for a buyer, you know they always hold out for a little bit more money. But what's interesting is actually the direction in which they've taken. It almost appears that um, not only are they not, um, you know, not only are they saying that it undervalues the business, but they almost create the impression that they indirectly are unwilling to entertain it, which is interesting. Because you know, typically what you will find is, you know, and particularly given that Canal Plus had already been a shareholder in this business um, um, for quite some time, you know, you would think that typically the board will be, okay, fine, we think it undervalues the business, or we've set up an independent board or a committee to read, you know, to look at the options or to look at the price to see or the offer to see if it's fair. But they've gone out and said straight up that it undervalues the company. And they've also seemed to have taken measures to actually reduce um, the voting rights, mm. um, you know, of, of, of foreigners um, who buy stake in that business. Perhaps to also, it's almost like a, a takeover defense, um, which, is, which is actually quite interesting. And then in addition to that, they've also removed the cautionary which almost suggests that they don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> but I must ask you, Kwame, is this also looking like a situation that could turn hostile? Because, of course, uh, you know, Canal Plus has been uh, very aggressive in accumulating multi-choice shares uh, to date. And it might look like, uh, you know, once their offer is possibly off the table from multi-choice's perspective, they're going to go ahead and keep accumulating these shares. Well, look, you, you can't keep on. You, you accumulate until you hit a point in mm-hmm. which you have to make a, a, an offer to everybody in any event. Mm-hmm. So I, I would imagine that their best position would be to get uh, the board on, on side because it becomes easier. Otherwise, they'll have to make that offer directly. They'll have to go speak to some key shareholders and make that offer directly to shareholders. I suspect that they, you know, given the reaction of the management team, that they will probably have to sharpen their pencil a little bit mm-hmm. more in terms of the offer. Um but yes, it, it 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 looks like this may be you know this may be um, drawn out than one would have expected. Very very interesting times indeed. Let's touch on McDonald's and the revenue misses uh, estimates there as a Middle East conflict weighs on their quarterly sales. Just less burgers, I guess. When this conflict, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it. Um, you know, they they reported um, Q4. Um, um, Results and then basically revenues uh, grew by about eight percent, which was um, to about six point four one billion dollars, um, which was lower than what the market was expecting, even though they beat on the earnings line. Um, but what they actually point out is when you disaggregate the earnings, you find out that the international businesses actually grew much lesser than what the market um, was anticipating. You know, so you know the the the, the same store growth for the international business I think came in around you know, around about three and a half percent. Um, the market was expecting closer to five. I think 4.7 was the number. And they pointed out that international development have obviously had an impact on it. Specifically, um, they talked about the Israeli franchisor had um, offered um, uh, discounts to soldiers. And, you know, and, and this obviously led to, you know, boycotts in, 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 in certain um, countries with, um, you know, Muslim populations or at least certain Muslim demographic groups. And they've seen that 
happen in, in you know, both in the Middle East and countries that are not in the Middle East, like Man- Malaysia. They vote in Indonesia. And then they, they further point out that they've also had to shut down stores in certain markets um, in order to obviously protect the business and, um, uh, you know, and, and, and employees. So, yeah, I suppose this is what happens, you know, when you are the face of, um, if you want to call it, uh, you know, a, a, certain, um, a certain economic ideology or political ideology, and then you end up in, in, in a conflict situation. Sometimes you get caught in the crossfire. And before we move on, Kwame, uh, China's tumbling prices pushed some exporters to the brink. Let's talk about that a very, very difficult environment we're seeing in that part of the world. Yeah, so this is, you know, on the back of um, what we begin to see in China is um, we're seeing uh, producer prices indexes continue to fall. And that's largely driven by overcapacity. So in the last few years, China has, you know, significant, you know, prioritized exports. And, you know, as we know, they, you know, China was a factory of the world. And it still remains so. But, you know, in the post-COVID world, when we started seeing this reshoring and, and, and you know, you know, as companies started to reduce their, you know, um, their dependence on China in order to protect their supply chain plus, you know, trade tensions, you know, that's obviously led to overcapacity in the market because if you don't have, you know, if you, if your your exports have been restricted, then you have this capacity, but you, you don't have customers. And that's forcing um, factories to take work at much lower prices. Now, that what that does is that it, it, it you know, it puts pressure on margins. Um, it it puts pressures on, 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 the, on the financial viability of the businesses. And, and that could also compound China's already economic outlook, which is, you know, as these, you know, exporters, which are a significant part of the economy, you know, there's a risk that we're likely to see more job losses in, the, in, 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 in that sector, which will put more pressure on, on the Chinese economy. All we have time for today, Kwame. Always a pleasure hearing from you. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Wonderful. Go wow. That's Kwame Antwi, a founder at KOA Capital with your market wrap this evening. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.